Good evening, everyone. My name is Nancy. I'm a gratefully abstaining compulsive overeater. Um, first time I can remember eating compulsively, I was four. I was at my grandmother's house, which was Disneyland as far as food was concerned. And my grandmother and my mother had gone off to town and left me with grandpa. And grandpa had put me in front of the electronic babysitter, which was even available then, believe me, as old as I am, we had television back then. And he went off to do whatever grandfathers do in a garage. And I was angry. They had left me and I was angry. And on the dining room table was three or four bunches of green bananas. And I got up there and started to eat those green bananas and ate so many that I was sick for three days. To this day, the look or smell of a banana will put me into nausea. And when my children needed to have them, I had my mother come and do it because I couldn't do it for them. And that is where I began. My mother told me that when I was two, I ate a pound of butter and I ate two boxes of chocolate pudding because that's what I could get to. So compulsive overeating has been with me for a very long time. I grew up pretty much like everybody grew up in the 50s and when you fell down and scraped your knee, they said, here, honey, have a cookie. It'll make you feel better. And if you were having a great time, there was always a cake and food was the answer to everything, always. And then it became not the answer because they would be upset because they would take you out and buy you clothes. And then 10 days later, you couldn't fit into them. And they went, what, what, what happened? You know, well, you gave me 12 cookies. What do you think? You know, it, it just... The mixed messages continued the older I got. 25 years old, I was 383 pounds. I was working in a retail store. They had me tucked in the back where I was wrapping presents and taking utility bills. They used to do that at stores. And I had watched, I had been on every diet you can possibly imagine. We did Weight Watchers, we did Tops, we did you know, the pregnant woman's urine and the 300 calories a day. And, and uh, you know, I was 12 years old and taking taking uh, amphetamines in the morning and barbiturates at night because that's what the doctor gave us. And as long as it was the doctor, it was okay, right? It was okay. Anyway, I had watched a family member lose 80 pounds over a period of about a year. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I found this program. Okay, what program? And she said, well, you have to come to a meeting. And I said, what kind of meeting? She said, you just have to come to a meeting and you have to believe in God. And I said, I don't have any problem with God, but when's the meeting? Thursday night. The Waltons were on Thursday night. I didn't want to go to a meeting on Thursday night and miss the Waltons. Is that crazy? But 
she was pretty persistent. We went to the meeting and she took me half an hour early because there was a newcomers meeting first. And they handed me this food plan. They called it a food plan. It looked like a diet to me. It was on a gray sheet of paper, so they called it the gray sheet. Okay. And I listened to a woman speak who touched my heart so much that I realized I was finally home. She was pretty much the same way I was. She'd been raised in a pretty decent home and she'd had everything, but food was always the answer. And I believed her. And I knew that I was in a place where I needed to be. So the next day I started my abstinence and I was as crazy about that food plan as I had been about the way I ate. But I made impossible rules for myself. If I didn't eat by six o'clock, I didn't eat dinner. And I spent most of that first year on coffee and cigarettes because once I got into the food loss, once I started getting into the weight loss, that was as exciting as any food I had ever eaten. And in about 18 months, I lost 183 pounds. And I thought I was hip slick and cool. And they told us, I was told, stick with the winners, because that's where the program's going to be, is stick with the winners. And I didn't quite understand what that meant. There's a lot of things that went on in those first couple of years. But the main reason I had come to program was because I wanted to, to be attractive to someone, get married, and have children. That's what I wanted. One night I was standing outside the meeting and this man walked across the grass towards the meeting and I, in my, in my heart of hearts, I looked at him and I said, that's the man I'm going to marry. And eight months later, we were married. And he said, you don't have to go to those meetings anymore. So I didn't. I had two children over the next four years, four or five years. And when, after my second son was born, uh, my marriage was rocky anyway and shaky because it was not based on anything that was permanent or anything that was worth it being based on because I just wanted to get married and have kids. I didn't care about anything else. He had three grown children and he didn't really want to have kids, but because I did, he said, okay, so we had, so now I have three stepsons, the oldest of which just turned 60. We went along for a little while. I tried, uh, Lord knows, I tried to be as good a wife as I knew how to be, but it just didn't work. We moved up to Morro Bay, which is a little tiny town on the coast of California, um, near San Luis Obispo, about halfway the distance to San Francisco. And I was trying to put some semblance of order back in my life. And they had an OA meeting at Cal Poly in San Luis. And I went to that meeting and there were 18 little poly dollies that didn't want to eat the cookie and that wasn't going to work for me. So I came back home and I didn't know what to do. There was another meeting around the corner from my house that I could walk to. Baptist 
church. So I went to that meeting and these two little ladies shuffled in. Between the two of them, they had over 60 years of sobriety and over 35 years of abstinence. And they sat there and read the big book to each other. I was never so bored in my life. And I had absolutely no idea what a gift I was being given. I started to I started to abstain again. I did lose a little weight. I started doing a lot of trying to do some exercise. I had never heard of exercise before. I didn't know what that was. So um, when they said you could jog around the block, I thought they were nuts, but I tried it. It worked for a couple, three days anyway. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand. I didn't get how the 12 steps worked and I couldn't figure it out. Not long after I started going to this meeting where they read the big book to each other, my husband had a stroke and we ended up moving back to the San Fernando Valley where I could get him some help. Um, it didn't work but another geographical didn't work. And eventually we ended our marriage and my boys who were now six and seven and I moved a little distance away from him. And I tried, I, I was so miserable. I had to do something. So I went to Howe for a while and I was very successful at Howe. I lost about 90 pounds and, but they didn't, I didn't get it yet. I didn't understand what they were talking about. What do you mean that, that inventory? I, I, they finally gave me the inventory and it was, you know, I don't know if ever you've been to how, but they give you 30 questions to answer one a day. I did that. And then they handed me this 175 questions of inventory. And I wrote the, the answers to those inventory questions, but that didn't, that didn't do it for me. I didn't understand yet. When I had first worked the program, I had a sponsor who had come up through AA and she taught me how to, I did my first inventory with her and we had done the AA inventory. Again, I was at a loss. I mean, I thought I understood, but I couldn't keep it together. I couldn't stop eating. So I ended up leaving, I, I got this meeting at Howe and I got it to where there would be 50 people that would come because I went all over Southern California and got speakers from everywhere. And I had people driving to our little town here in Newhall from Long Beach to speak at night. I mean, it was an amazing thing that I, I put together. And the meetings were amazing. And then my sponsor said, you're too involved in this meeting, you have to give this up. So all that was keeping me abstinent was getting those speakers and, and being involved in that meeting. And when I had to give that up, my abstinence went away. I went along a little bit. Then I finally came back to program for a while. I came back 10 years this time. I had 10 years of abstinence. I had a good solid weight loss. I got very much involved in the politics of Overeaters Anonymous. I became um, delegate 
and I was also an integrate, and I became the intergroup chair, and I did all of those things. And then I had to face me. And I didn't know how to face me. I'd done everything else. My sponsor wanted me to write this inventory. And this time, I want he wanted me to talk about me. I could tell you how, how much my father had made me crazy. I could tell you how much my mother had done to, to, to do things differently. I could tell you what my husband had done. I could tell you about my kids. But me? You want me to talk about me? I have a clue about how to talk about me. Well, eventually I met another man and I he said he needed more help than I could give him. I thought anyway, I left and he had a stroke and we continued and he was bedridden for a while and I he and I ate together that's pretty much what we did and um, I lost him in March of 2013 and 10 days before he died my mother was diagnosed with a fatal illness and I cared for her until she died in September and before I could get her in the ground I worked for Kaiser Permanente and they told me my position had been eliminated. In the matter of just a few months, anything and everything that I had ever based my identity on was gone in one fell swoop. I sat in a dark room playing video games and eating ice cream for about two and a half months. And then my best friend in the whole world said, a friend of ours is gonna speak at this meeting and I, I need you to come and take me. And I said, you've got people that can get you. This. No, you have to come and take me to this meeting. It's Susan, you gotta come and hear Susan speak. It was 40 miles away from my house, and she lived 24 miles away from me. And then I had to drive another 40 miles before we could be at this meeting. And after she bugged me for probably four or five days, I finally said yes. And I drove, picked her up, and we went to this meeting. And this woman, who I had known forever, sat down and spoke to us about how she had had to reinvent herself. That was the first thing that I'd ever heard that made sense to me. Because I didn't know who I was anyway. So to reinvent somebody meant that I had to start from scratch. And I started. And I reinvented a life. I reinvented a higher power. I reinvented everything. And not long after I started, I started, I, I, I finally got, I understood what step one meant. That I had to admit that I was powerless over food. And then I had to accept that there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity, which meant I had to be insane. And I kind of figured the way I ate was insane. So that was okay. 
15 minutes. And then it was, thank you. Then it was turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. Now you're asking me to release control. Now you're asking me to give up everything I'd ever known. I took a deep breath. I stood with my sponsor. I said a prayer. I turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And then she said, you got to write this inventory. And I wrote inventory out of the brown book. And for the first time, I I was writing it from my perspective, not from what my mother had said, not from what my father had said, not from what my kids, not from anybody else. But I dug deep and I found out what I thought about things. I was 52 years old, and I, I, I was older than that, but I, I just, I had never in my life been comfortable with me, ever. I couldn't be alone. I didn't want, I, either the TV had to be on or I had to have a book, something. I never was comfortable with just sitting with me because I didn't know who me was. So as we wrote this inventory, as I wrote this inventory, and we wrote, and I wrote it from the perspective of me, because that's what I was asked to do. I learned the whole about this whole other person that I hadn't even realized that existed in my body all this time. And by this time, I had done terrible things to my body. I would, I had ravaged it beyond belief. My knees don't work. I have a bad heart that I've had operated on. I have type 2 diabetes. I take 45 pills a day just to survive. I have never been happier in my life. Through a bunch of events, I ended up inheriting my mother's home after she passed away. And she had invited my younger son and his family to move in with her before she had, for the last year of her life, and had taken beautiful care of her. So I moved into where she had been. Mother-in-law spent, did not take but two seconds to tell me, don't expect the same treatment she got. (laughs) My grandson's, Harrison was just about to start school. Jack was a couple of years old, and my granddaughter had been born on the 14th of February, and I moved in in May. Being, I got a second chance to be with little children. When my kids were little, I was too busy working. I didn't get to go to the first day of school. I didn't get to do the stuff that you get to do when you're home. My husband stayed home with the kids and I worked because that was what happened at that time. So all of a sudden I'm in this position where I'm watching these little people grow and develop on a daily basis. It is an amazing, an amazing opportunity to watch someone become a person. And they are all of them individuals and all of them are developing at their own rate. And it is amazing to be here. 
But the other side of that is I'm really here. It's not somebody else or not somebody I'm trying to be. It's me. My life is mine and I can sit in my room and not have anything on and just be happy to be here. I've never had that before. I've been abstinent for six years. It's not perfect. It's the best I know how to do. I've given away 56 pounds. Again, with all the medication and stuff that I take, my doctors are happy with that. I'm not. I would like, of course, for it to be much faster, but Lord knows I'm, I, I'm doing the best I can one, one step at a time. I heard somebody in a meeting say one time that she stayed abstinent by running up and down the steps. I was thinking that she was running up and down her apartment steps. That's what she was doing, right? I finally figured it out that that's not the step she was talking about. And I walk, I, I walk up and down those steps all the time. At the present time, I'm sponsoring a gal, and we are reading Drop the Rock Ripple Effect. We read Drop the Rock first, and now we're reading the Ripple Effect, which is step 10 is how step with step 10, how you work steps five and six, six and seven. And it's been an amazing journey that we've had together. And I have learned more about me and about my life and about how to continue and how to put one foot in front of the other and enjoy every minute that I'm here. I've never had that before. Never had anything that was like that. I was always busy thinking about what you thought and what that one thought, what that one thought, what that one, and what was I going to put in my mouth next? That's the way I live. I was never just relax and sit down and be quiet and get it done. Well, like I said, I've been, I celebrated six years of abstinence in August. I'm willing in the creek don't rise, I'll, I'll continue. I'm not planning to live, to leave the program ever again, because my life is here. My life is in these rooms. My life, what happens outside of these rooms is what God has gifted me with, because every day is a gift for me. Because I didn't expect to live this long, let alone live any longer. And to be able to watch my older son has now had two children. I have two little boys that live in Anaheim, California, Orion and Leo, and they are just as adorable as the ones that live here. I never expected anything like this in my life, ever. I never expected any of it to be. And it has been such a joy to live one day at a time, knowing that I have the 12 steps, I have all of you, have my God, who has been beside me with that unconditional stuff the whole time. I didn't always believe he was there. Lots of times I was angry at him and was screaming at him. And my, my God understands when I scream. That's okay. But the one thing that I have learned that one day at a time, I am given the gift of life, and it's up to me to do with it what I choose to do with it. If I choose to make it work, 
it will work. And I know that for me to make it work, I have to do my reading and writing every day. I have to consider the aspects of my life. And, and if I've messed up someplace, I have to say I'm sorry and get it over with. But mostly, when I abstain, abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive eating behaviors, my life opens in ways I never even dreamed of. I understand what, what Roseanne said when she talked about beyond her wildest dreams. Because today, my life is beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you.